Welcome. Now, my name is D. Ludlow. Now, before we get into this episode, go to the description, click the link and get your M&A Mastery Toolkit. This is a free download, which gives you some of the tools and resources that you need to start your M&A journey. Don't forget, go to the description, click the link. It's a free download and enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the second weekly update on 5am Club TV and now the 5am Club podcast. Um, if you're on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button and the bell button to get notified when we push out new content. And if you're on the podcast, please leave a review. So firstly, let's follow on from last week's episode. So let's just start with Bitcoin. This space is moving very quickly and each day there's something new that's going on. So firstly, we've seen Bitcoin going into new territory, hitting all time highs and breaking through the 20K mark pretty easily. And I mentioned Grayscale last week. So now they have holdings in Bitcoin and Ether worth 13 billion under management. And this is only a week after I last documented Grayscale's position. Um, since then, loads of hedge funds have been shown interest. Um, MicroStrategy have actually up their holdings, um, which is now 1.3 billion in Bitcoin. And look, even Mr. Musk himself has shown some sort of interest. Him and Michael Saylor have been going back and forth on Twitter. And so I'm interested to see if he's willing to put Tesla's cash reserves into Bitcoin. If that happens, then who knows? Also, Kraken being the first cryptocurrency firm in the US to become a bank, they're now adding the Lightning Network in 2021, uh, basically for instant Bitcoin transfers. So faster transactions and cheaper withdrawal fees. Um, another exchange, Coinbase, that's filing for the IPO, which a lot of you would have seen, uh, which is what's crazy about this is back in 2012, Coinbase used to send one Bitcoin to anyone that interviews them just to show them how it works. So that's just sort of the joys of being early. Um, but look, moving on from crypto, because I have a quite a big piece on crypto that I want to cover over Christmas. So moving on and more talk around these huge stock valuations. So I mentioned last week how Tesla's valuation was just massive. Um, and their market cap being 600 billion and their PE ratio being 1200, I think it is. So look, that's just one of the stocks that's had a very big year. And now their sort of inclusion into the S&P 500, who knows what's gonna happen with Tesla. So let's look at two IPOs that have happened very recently, one being DoorDash and the other being Airbnb. So talking about Airbnb, look, they've never posted a year's profit ever since launching. So I thought that, you know, I take a deeper look into this because, you know, fundamentally Airbnb's concept works. So I was interested to sort of understand more what's going on within their financials. So considering Airbnb and DoorDash have technically never made a profit since they started, the hype and marketing behind both companies around their IPO was amazing. <laughs> like now look, these, these are new companies. Airbnb was launched in 2008 and DoorDash was launched in 2013. So if these companies couldn't make a profit pre-COVID, then I'm not sure what makes people think that they're going to make money now. You know, now that's not saying that they never will, um, but let's look at, you know, let's look at a few factors. So I listened to Peter Schiff talking about this and it made me think, you know, it made me want to delve deeper into this even more again. So look, he mentioned when Microsoft went public in 1986, they was like, they was making tons of money and they managed to raise 61 million on IPO. 
Now, Airbnb and DoorDash both raised around three and a half billion dollars. And he also mentioned how even with inflation and factoring in um, the, uh, the adjustments, sorry, the adjustments of the CPI, if they raised the equivalent um, to Microsoft, then their IPO would have been around 140 million. Instead, they're 20 times that. What's the intrinsic value of Airbnb and DoorDash? So there's obviously many metrics, many scenarios to take into account. And in the end, it's just down to opinion. But the fact is they're both hemorrhaging money. Um, like Microsoft, you, you know, they raised money to expand and they did, you know, as they was already making money. Um, now these two are just straight losing money. So if you're, in, you're happy investing in companies that don't make any money and don't know when they're going to make money, especially with COVID, um, like DoorDash, you know, they've lost most of their clients due to the amount of restaurants being closed down. Um, you know, they, they didn't make any money when those restaurants were open. <laughs> and on the other hand, they should be doing pretty well because a lot of people are at home ordering takeouts, but they're still not making any money. Um, people have bought these stocks on pure confidence um, in the brand, which is cool if that's what you want to do. But they, without, you're buying confidence in the brand without looking at their financial position. You know, this is perfect case scenario for venture capitalists. You know, these stocks get huge valuations. And at some point, they just get the cash out and leave all your investors holding the bag. So you need to ask yourself, you know, do you want to be holding the bag when things do go wrong, if they go wrong? Again, it's all down to opinion. Look, I think Airbnb has potential to make money at some point down the line. But right now, both of these wasn't making any profit before COVID. And the Airbnb business model is based around travel. So the question is, when are they going to start making money? Plus, Airbnb doesn't need the money to expand. They're already global. They just need to start making money. And now I think you know, Airbnb is worth around 90 billion. Um, and I'm not sure what DoorDash is, but, you know, DoorDash's main competitors, Uber Eats and Grubhub, they both haven't made any money either. And it's all the same business model. So remember, WeWork lost 1.9 billion last year and they didn't manage to make IPO. But then Uber lost 5 billion in just the second quarter. So it baffles me, you know, they're out there, people are still buying Uber right now. And again, I like the Uber business model and it is down to a matter of opinion. But if a business doesn't make any money, I personally, I don't want to buy it. And uh, and again, how you, it's going to be hard to work out the intrinsic value because of these huge stock valuations at the moment. And there's actually a quote that I loved, um, that I heard, it's quite funny. And it was, um, you can put as much lipstick as you want on these pigs but at the end of the day, we all know they're just pigs. <laughs> what is quite funny. But look, I do like to look on the flip side and challenge my opinion, as you know. So I did look at some other big companies. You know, Amazon was losing money for many years before making any, like many others. And plus, I do like both of these business models, you know, and I think there's definitely a place for both of them. But I would find it hard personally to buy any of these stocks just based on the fact they don't make any money and they've never made any money. But one thing they do have, which I do like, is data. Um, so yeah, data is massive and they both hold a lot of data. So long-term, who knows? For now, I'm not so sure. I'd love to know your opinion on it. What's your thoughts on both Airbnb and DoorDash? Now, on to the next topic. Um, this is something I think 
a lot of us have overlooked. And that's the change of education and how it gets presented. So look, I get it, the frustration of students not being able to go into a classroom and learn with other students. Yeah, it's pretty annoying. But let's look at this on a positive note. So look, there's gonna be a lot more home learning from streaming and Zoom, Microsoft Teams and all the others. Now, can we just give the students the best education available? Now by this, I mean, if they're listening to a teacher, can they only listen to the best teacher and the best teacher that can deliver the knowledge? Now, no offense to any teacher um, out there, but if there's a specific history teacher or English teacher that delivers the knowledge the best or has more knowledge, then why not let them make a platform um, where they can teach the syllabus uh, in a way in which the schooling system will have to purchase on a subscription basis and give the students give that to the students in their school because you know we've all had teachers that we listen to uh yeah we listen to and like more than others and you know i think a lot of you may agree with me that the education system has been flawed in many ways um if we're going to school and the predominant reason for us being there is to learn then whether that information is pre-recorded by an expert teacher in a subject or lesson and hosted by a local teacher who can take questions, then look, it forces local teachers to enhance their knowledge to be able to take the questions and students get access to expert advice from a more advanced teacher. And this way, the schooling system should start to get better from, at least from an educational point of view. Now, plus everyone gets, everybody gets the chance to learn the same information if they pay attention. And then the playing field is even, you know, and if we filter out a lot of the things that aren't relevant uh, and we focus on the things that's much needed in our education system. Now, on the downside, I do think social interaction is important. And even though this is changing with activities online and children preferring to interact online in many ways, um, I still think social interaction is important because it teaches us basic life skills. Um, you know, we, we understand human behavior and many other things. But, you know, maybe we should use this as an opportunity to reform the education system for the better you know as it's failed us over and over especially from a personal finance point of view and a health point of view um, i understand it's very hard to teach children online and no it's definitely not the same um, but you know if this is or becomes the new normal even though i hate that word or them words new normal but if it does change and this is the way it's going to be then do we just not teach them at all or do we adapt to the current circumstances, improvise and by improvising, we can potentially give children um, or any student the best education that they've ever had. And judging by the latest news, it looks like health passports are coming along, along with a AI dependent future. But that's a conversation for another day. I'm not going to talk about the current circumstances or the dreaded C word. Um, but look, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If there is something you'd like me to cover, then drop me a message or comment below. Other than that, have a great Christmas and I'll see you next week.